0: Kids, I'm talking to you today because y'all have done such a great job in paying attention when I am talking to your parents and you always, I know you're paying attention because you catch me when I say the S word. You know, come on, not adults, come on now. It was a, a couple of weeks ago I said something and, and I saw big eyes and that's why I had to clarify what we were talking about. But you know, I know you're paying attention. But today, I'm talking to you, and your parents get to just enjoy, all right? They get to to listen in as well. So I need all the kids, sit up straight. I need you to sit up straight. I need you to face the front so I can see your big eyes. Very good. I need to see your big eyes, and I need to know who is good at the game Simon says. You think so? Are you ready to play a little game of Simon Says? All right, kids, I need you to stand up right where you are, right in front of your chairs. In that little space between the rows, there's enough space for you. And I need you to show me how good you are at Simon Says. Are you ready? I can't hear you. Are you ready? All right. Simon Says, touch your right ear. Simon Says... Touch your left ear as well. Brian's out. He touched his chin. (laughs) All right, put one hand down. Oh, I didn't say Simon Says. You got to sit down. All right, you're holding both. Good job. All right. Uh, Simon Says, put one hand down. Simon Says, uh, stomp with one foot. Doesn't matter which one, just stomp with one foot. All right, Simon Says, you ready for this? Let's try. Simon Says, put your other hand on top of your head while you're holding your ear and stomping one foot. And now, Simon Says, march with both feet. All right, you can let go of this ear. Oh, I didn't say Simon Says. If you let go of that ear, you got to sit down. All right, good job. All right. Sorry, why are you not standing up? Simon says, stand up. (laughs) No, it's absolutely real. I'm up here doing like this. Everybody can see me. Nobody can see you. I want everybody to see you. All right, if you don't stand up because Simon says, you must be out. All right, Simon says, stop all things and put down. Stand straight up, Sit up straight, straight up. That means, all right. Simon says, uh, do this with your head. All right, because whenever your parents ask you to do something, you always want to say no. I don't want to do anything. Simon says, now nod yes. Because when your parents tell you to do something, you should oh, obey and say yes. Good job, mom. All right, yes. All right, stop shaking the head. That's crazy. Oh, I didn't say Simon Says. All right, everybody sit down. Sit down. Good job playing. Sit down again. No, I really, Simon Says the game's over. Uh, sit up straight. Sit up straight for me again. And facing in the front, paying attention. Because there is, we played that game to illustrate something called following. And when Jesus was on the earth, he said something about following. Do you remember what he said? Do you know what he said? He said, if anyone would follow me, what does he need to do? All right, I'm glad you don't know because we're going to read it. All right, Luke 9, verse 23. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now the question for today is, are we following Jesus? When he says... Cause Jesus doesn't play a game, and Simon says, to catch us. You know, a lot of times we think that when we have a relationship with Jesus, that he's just trying to catch us doing something. And so they're, they're, Jesus is looking over us, and we're trying to obey. We're trying to do different things, and then he catches us. Oh, I wasn't obeying. I'm caught. I'm out now. That's not what a relationship with Jesus is, and that's why that game really, it just helps us understand that following directions a lot of times doesn't mean that it feels the same way as following Jesus. Jesus wants us to follow us from from our hearts. And he wants us to follow his heart. And so he tells us, come after me. Come follow me. Now he's not running real fast. He's saying, come, follow me. And we, in our own lives, and last week we looked at, when when the Holy Spirit comes and gives us resurrection life and awakens us, we're we're asleep. And the Bible says we're dead in our sins. And the, the Holy Spirit touches our hearts and we wake up to the spirit and we wake up and see jesus right in front of us and we say yes jesus i want to follow you i want to live for you so when he's, when he saves us he then calls us to discipleship he calls us to follow him and a, the disciple is somebody that learns somebody that follows jesus i want to learn about jesus and i want to follow jesus that's what a disciple is and that doesn't stop even in heaven that won't stop. We're going to continue learning about Jesus. Now, we're going to have, not going to have all the weird excuses that we're going to see in a moment about how hard it is to follow Jesus, but we will still follow him. We'll learn about him and we'll obey him because he wants us to rule with him on a, a new earth. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what that's going to be, but we are going to be kings and queens with the ultimate king, Jesus, on a new earth. Wow. Wow. Then our imagination can just start going to try to wonder what that is. But, you know, later on in this chapter, in Luke chapter 9, there were were three people. One that came up to Jesus, and then Jesus went to two others. And listen to what they had in the interaction with him about following him. This is verses 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Hey, Jesus, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, listen, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what he was saying? He didn't have a home to go to every night. And to another, Jesus said, follow me. But that man said, Lord, let me go first let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, this sounds like Jesus is playing a game as Simon Says. Like he's saying... Oh, you want to follow me? Jesus says you don't have a house. Jesus says you have to go and uh, never see your family again. Jesus says, but that's really not what's happening. Here's what. Here's what I think is is playing out. You know, uh, when your parents tell you to do something and you have excuses, and you know this is the weird thing that we think we can keep on saying the excuses, and our parents will finally be like, "Okay, you don't you." You don't have to suffer any consequences because you were too tired. Okay. Now, what's the biggest one? Your parents tell you to go clean your room. You get distracted, and then they say, Wait a minute. I told you to clean your room. What is your first response? I forgot, right? I forgot. And we keep on saying it like it's going to work one day. I forgot. Like your parents, okay. Now we forget, or uh, I I didn't want to do it right now. I wanted to wait. Can I wait till after the video game is done? Can I wait till after this TV show is done? Can I wait to do it? So we want we we, we forgot. Or how about this one? I didn't hear you. That one should never work. Parents never work because kids listen. You should, you know your parents' voice and your parents' voice should distract you from the TV show that you're watching or the game that you're playing. Your parents' voice should be like in your ears. You automatically go like this. Hmm? You hear your name or you hear them tell you something, you automatically look at them because you honor them and it goes, Jesus says, the Bible says it goes well with you when you honor them like that. So when you hear their voice above all the other voices that are going on in your headphones or in a TV set, that or computer, tablet, whatever that is uh, whatever you're using you look at them So we can't say, I didn't hear you or maybe uh, I I didn't want to do it right now or I was too tired I'm so tired I can't do this or I don't feel well my stomach hurts that usually happens when you have to do some chore around the house alright, it's time to pick up oh, I don't feel good like, just you saying that, Mom, is making me really just want to just take a nap or something because I don't feel well. It's weird how that happens, isn't it? Whenever you have to do some, some physical labor, you don't feel well. Oh, I don't feel well. Please help me. So, we look, we have these excuses. Or, how about this? I didn't clean up my room because it was too messy. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? It was so messy, I couldn't do it myself, and I needed other people to help me. And nobody would help me. Look, these are the excuses that we make, but you know what? These are the same excuses that these three people had to Jesus. The first one said, too hard. Just remember, he... Jesus said, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is telling him, he doesn't even have a favorite pillow. Like, you know how you need your favorite pillow to go to sleep? Because it just doesn't feel right unless you have your favorite pillow. Jesus said, I don't have a pillow. Now, he was king over all the earth, so really the entire earth was his dwelling. But he said, I don't have that one place to go back to all the time. And you know what? In our lives, when we, when we're, we try to love Jesus, but we find ourselves wanting, wanting to keep a little aspect of our lives that will, will stay with us, and it, it provides peace and security and comfort to us. We don't want to give that up because it might be too difficult to live without it. Look, adults, we do the same thing. We have these little pieces of our lives that we want to keep, and God's telling telling us surrender and trust me, and we keep them, and we say, no, I kind of don't know how to live without this. Could be an activity, could be a thought. But the first man that Jesus, that comes to Jesus, I'll follow. He was eager, he was ready. But Jesus was letting him know following him means sacrifice. That's what he said when he said, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. See, that, that, was, that was Jesus telling this man, hey, you can't expect comfort, you can't expect everything to go your way, perhaps, because following Jesus is about sacrifice. And that sacrifice starts when we look at ourselves and say, it's not what I want. You know, we get, we get frustrated in life because we don't get what we want. We want this. And so a brother or sister is coming against what we want and how we want. We're mad at them. We're mad at our parents. Mad at friends. Because we're not getting what we want. Jesus said, it's not about what you want. It's about denying yourself and serving. And when he said son of man, that term there, you have to, whenever you see the, the term son of man, think King. Jesus is saying he's the king over everything. It comes from Daniel chapter 7 where the son of man is crowned with authority and dominion and he rules everything forever. So Jesus is saying the son of man has nowhere to lay his head but in in Mark chapter 10 we find that he said the son of man came to serve. Not to be served but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many so we could then experience his resurrection life. So When we come to Jesus, we can't say, it's too hard, because the Holy Spirit gives us power to walk that out. And our lives as disciples are to be marked by sacrifice, by serving, not looking out for ourselves first, but looking out for everybody else's interests. Oh, I remember that in uh, the Old Testament, uh, Jacob, who then became Israel, God changed his name to Israel. He, you know what he used one night for a pillow because he had nothing? He used a rock. That's. Have you ever tried to use a rock for a pillow? He used a rock. And then, maybe because he didn't sleep really well, I don't know, he had a dream that night. And he dreamt as he's lying on that pillow, I don't know if he's like cuddling up, like on the rock. I don't know what he's doing to he make himself comfortable because that's pretty uncomfortable, right? He, he has a dream, and his dream was God in heaven and here on earth, and there were ladders. There were these huge stairwells that angels were coming down on and returning to earth. He was actually seeing the work that Jesus would do to make our relationship with him connected to him, to stay connected to him, so we'd experience heaven here in our lives and resurrection life. And he took oil from the Uh, that he had and he poured it the next morning he poured it on that rock and he said this is Beth El this is the house of God because he said God was here and I didn't know it so God God, I think that's a reference when Jesus says uh son of man has nowhere to lay his head because he says I am the rest for everybody What seems to be uncomfortable when we walk with Jesus becomes very comfortable when we trust the Holy Spirit's power in us to live that out. Now, the second person comes along and says, oh, uh, let's see, that was... To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus sounds really harsh when he says, let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus, that's kind of uncaring, don't you think? But what is he talking about? He says, for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. He's saying this, because that guy was saying, hey, that's a little too soon, a little too quick. How about I go live life? Maybe, maybe the man's father had just died, maybe he was getting ready to die, or maybe he was about to live a long life. Maybe that guy, he wanted, he wanted the security of his home life. He wanted the security and being around his father and being around, maybe they were really, 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 really rich. And he said, if I walk away from that, I'm not going to have everything that I want. And so he wants the security of being around his father, but Jesus says the kingdom of God is way more important than any earthly security that we can have any comfort on this earth. The kingdom of God is way more important. So Jesus says we need to love him and go obey him to proclaim the kingdom and to where when people look at it, they wonder, why are you doing that? I mean, slow down. Not so quick. See, too soon is not an excuse we can use with Jesus because he says, now, obey now, that's why in our relationship with our parents, it's important to obey quickly, because it reminds us that our lives are about serving, they're about sacrifice, denying ourselves so we can, sh- we can show Jesus with every action and every thought and every word that we say. And then there's the third, uh, the third guy who, yet another, I will follow you, but let me first say well, say farewell to those at my home. So what did he want to do? He just wanted to go say Bye. Hey, I'm going on a long trip following this guy, Jesus. Uh, Bye. And Jesus said something interesting. He said, you don't put your hand to the plow. Anybody who puts his hand to the plow and leaves it is not fit for the kingdom. What did that mean? Well, try to. Hannah, can I use you for an example? All right, I want you to stand up right there. Thank you for your willingness and your excitement for this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk to me but I want you to look out of that window the entire time. You ready? Get in the middle of the aisle. All right. Look out the window, and don't stop looking out the window, and try to walk straight to me. Oh, you cheated. Oh, you keep on looking. Good job, good job. Head back there. (laughs) She was more like this. (laughs) double-checking. <laughs> she held herself, veer off. What does that mean? That means when, when we start, in the the references to farming, the plow that an ox or a mule would be pulling, and the person is trying to, they're plowing the ground to make those mounds to plant things in. He says, you don't put your, you don't let go of the plow. Because then the ox or the mule just keep on going in whatever direction. You won't have any straight lines. Jesus is saying this, to follow him means that we are undivided. Our attention is always on Jesus. But how easily we get distracted by stuff. We get distracted by what we want. We get distracted about what we don't have, and we want that. And when somebody else gets to do something, and we want to do that, and you always say that they can sleep over in a house, and I can't sleep over in a house. And we just have all these things that we're concerned with that we don't get what we want. They divide us. It divides our heart, because Jesus is saying this, give me all of your heart. Be undivided. Be completely devoted to me, because he's worthy. Y'all, he's worthy. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our commitment to him, where we say, Jesus, I want you and nothing else. Even adults get confused about what we can uh, put our attention in, thinking that we're still giving God all of our attention, but we're really not paying fully attention, f- our full attention to God, we're doing other things. Remember, uh, God told Joshua, keep the word of God before you. Keep the law of God before you. Don't look to the right or to the left. Keep going and God will show you where to go. We need to do the same thing. Always need to do the same thing. Keeping the word of God before us, keeping Jesus before us so we can walk directly to him and not, not have the heartache of trying to figure out where we got lost and distracted But we keep on loving and following Jesus. Let me finish by telling you a story of a man named William Borden. He's not the Milk Borden's uh, different family. He grew up, uh, he was born in 1887, and he grew up in Chicago, and very wealthy family. Uh, They had everything going for him. When he graduated from high school at 16 years old, he graduated from high school, and his parents gave him a gift a gift. Uh, a graduation gift. You know what his gift was? To spend a year traveling around the world. Well, they had some money. They could do some stuff. So they hired somebody, to, uh, a professor to go with him, to teach him, all different things. And here's what happened. As he goes, begins to go around the world, he begins to see, they started in Asia, and he begins to see that the world is a hurt, hurting place because there's a lot of distraction in false gods. And he's seeing all of these false gods, and he's seeing it in every country that he goes to. And he says, it, it, God just begins to stir him, and he says, but they need to know the truth. They need to know Jesus. And during that time, there weren't many people that were going out telling. So he said, what if I can go tell them something? And while he was away, he wrote a letter to his parents at, at by this time, I think he was 17 years old, he writes a letter to his parents saying, I'd like to train to be a missionary for the rest of my life. To where his father said, well, how about you just kind of wait to make that decision? Don't make it right now. Let's do the college thing and see where it goes. I'd like you to take over the business, the family business. Uh, It's got a lot of promise and money. And he said, you know, I don't want to depend on those reserves. I don't want to depend on the finances that will always be there for me. I want to live my life loving Jesus. And he he said this, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. Oh, how, how helpful is that? Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. Every single time. So he finishes, his mom was, uh, his mom loved Jesus with all of her heart. She was supportive of his desire to go to the mission field. Then he went to college at Yale. So not only was he really rich, he was really smart because he got to go to Yale. And he was, he was at Yale desiring still to, be, uh, to go into ministry. And while he was there, he started because he's looking at, he's looking at the hurt that's around him in New Haven, Connecticut, where uh, Yale is. And he started a mission, and he called it Yale Hope Mission. He said, I just want to help people. Now, when a visitor came by Yale, by his senior year, they said, what was your first impression of being on the campus here in New Haven, Connecticut? He said it was passing that man over there, that student over there, who had his hand around a bum, and he was walking him off a stupor. You know who that man was? William Borden who saw a guy that was down and out in New Haven and said come on I want to help you and he was known for taking them to, to uh, a, a hotel and paying for a couple nights just like the story of the Good Samaritan. That's what he was known for. But he never publicized that. He didn't want, he just wanted to love God. And he loved the Bible. And so he started a, a Bible study his freshman year with a few friends that were connected to the Lord as well. And he starts his Bible study. And there were, at that time, 1,300 students at Yale. By the time they had 150 guys in the Bible study his freshman year, by the time he was a senior, he had 1,000 in the Bible study which only left 300 guys that were not a part of the Bible study. But all along, he said, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. He then graduated from Yale. He went to Princeton Seminary uh, when that was still very, a very helpful place to go for ministry. Not so much these days. You know that uh, these schools, Harvard, Brown, Yale, Princeton, were all started by denominations to train guys for ministry, to train pastors. That's how all those started. started. I mean, it's just sad how it's... It's withered away into uh, a a spiritual liberalism that is is not helping the church anymore. But he goes to Princeton. Jonathan Edwards was uh, the president of Princeton at the time of his death. Uh, Oh, man, I was just going to tell you the story of Jonathan Edwards. That would not be wise right now. Where was I? William Borden. Princeton, he trains for ministry, he finishes seminary, he says, all right, he, he then, while he was, oh, I forgot this part, while he was at Yale, he heard somebody talk about the Muslim community in China, and when he had gone around the world, he saw the Muslim nations that he went to, but he didn't know that there were more, he, he wrote this down in his journal, there were more Muslims in China than there were, were in all of Egypt at that time. And so he begins to say, I feel my heart yearning to go bring the gospel to this province in China that was mostly Muslim. So his heart is yearning for that. He said, well, what I need to do is I need to go to Egypt first, and I need to learn some Arabic and learn some culture so I can be able to be prepared to go with China Inland Mission into China to bring the gospel to the Muslim community there in uh, that province. While he's there, he's 25 years old, he developed spinal meningitis and died. He was 25 years old. Now, we can look at that and say, was that a waste? Should he have stayed back with his family and done done the family business? Would there have been more good that possibly would have come about from that? See, that's that's kind of the world's way of looking at it. That's really an unspiritual way to look at it. If we look at it the way Jesus looks at it, you know what we find? We find Jesus who tells him, Well done, good and faithful servant. A man whom he only knew for two weeks. He was only in, uh, I think he was in, he was in Egypt for two weeks before he got sick and then it was another couple weeks that he battled uh, the disease before finally dying. In, which year was it? I forget. He was 25. You can do the math. The guy who he had lived with in Egypt that was helping him out found a couple messages that he wrote. He wrote these couple sermons. And he took those and he translated them into Arabic. And he began printing them. And when he printed them, they were distributed all over Egypt. And within a matter of about 10 to 15 years, you know where those pamphlets ended up? In China. To the very people that he wanted to bring the gospel to. See, and somebody told him, See, in his life, there was, and there's the kind of three things that are attributed to his life. One was no reserves. Do so you know that he gave away, they found his ledger. Uh, while he was at Yale, his father died. He began taking over the finances for his mother and his siblings uh, and overseeing the businesses while he was in seminary, while he was finishing college and in seminary. He was on a few boards, people, uh, some, people, some ministries in New York City that he had to go to. They saw that he gave at that time $800,000 to different ministries. That's equivalent to over $10 million today. He said, no reserves. He also, there was no retreat, there was no backing up. He saw what Jesus wanted him to do, and he was running after it, and he wasn't going backwards ever. But toward the end of his life, you know what he wrote in the back uh, pamphlet of the back thing of his Bible? that his mom found later? No regrets. So this is a man who loved Jesus so much, and he followed him, and he knew the cost of that discipleship. He knew what it meant to follow him, and he followed Jesus with everything that he was, that in his own heart he said, I haven't wasted anything. There's no regret. I'm not sorry for coming to Egypt. And now God is still using his story right now. To to inspire us and challenge us to live a life that is saying no to self and yes to Jesus every single time. So we're, we're called to that. Jesus says to us, follow me. We need to follow him. We need to follow him not by having all these excuses and I want it to look like this and be like this. We just, we follow him. And he proves himself faithful over and over and over and over again. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for a moment to be refreshed and renewed in our calling as disciples of Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I pray that every person in this room would be so inspired that time wouldn't matter anymore. But loving you would be the best thing and the most important thing. Father, I ask that you would spark an interest in every young person's heart, a fire to go after you with everything they are. That there would be a, no division in the hearts, but we would be able to see fruitfulness through the years of every child in this church growing up and having a, a passionate, faithful walk with you. And we could say of them, Jesus is what made the difference in their lives. Jesus is what made, gave them the courage or was the reason for their faithfulness. So Lord, bring that to fruition for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we